Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you, as always, by TheRinger.com, where we have podcast hate. We have written articles. Uh, I, I'm i excited to announce that I officially listened to my first episode of GM Street with you and Michael Lombardi, um, and I liked it. I was a fan. I'm a fan. I really like Michael Lombardi. He's a, he's a really nice... First of all, he's a great human being. Um I think we said this on our podcast. Made us dinner one time, mm-hmm. which like goes a long way for me. You make me a home cooked meal. I'm a fan of yours. But then I like he just he just shoots from the hip. He's he's an old school guy. Just like talks shit about these guys, and I enjoy it because I'm trying to get back into football. And um, yeah, I don't know if Lombardi's like, I don't I don't know if it's smart to like listen solely to Lombardi and getting back into football. <laughs> I should probably diversify my opinions. But uh, this is bonds. a start, and I enjoyed yes. it. Yeah, yes. diversify your job, takes Tate. it all takes. Uh, I will say this: it has been a year that I've been doing this podcast. I'm glad that you waited a year to see if it would still last, <laughs> and if it was worth your time. And here we are. We did it again. And, and I was my, jealous. It, <laughs> my my favorite thing about any podcast or anything that I ever do is that everyone says the other person. Uh, I I love Mark Titus. Oh, I love Mike Lombardi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my number one Dude, compliment a, that I get. It's great. My that's favorite. A, that's a t-shirt idea. A t-shirt idea is who is Tate Frazier? <laughs> that's uh, the one shiny potters. We should sell those. Yes. Um, no, I, I uh, get people listening, go listen to, to Tate do his podcast with Lombardi. I was hesitant to give it a try because one, as I said, not really into football, but two, I was really jealous. I would, I would hate calling you to talk, to talk about something that's happening in college football. And you're like, I'm watching the Panthers, man. Not now. Can't talk. <laughs> and it really pissed me off. So, mm-hmm. um, Anyway, I'm, I'm becoming mature, Tate. That I'm, happens I'm so many times out. for the fans. That, that <laughs> it happens so many times. Um, also, I wrote an article today, Tate. I wrote about the Little League World Series. Uh, my dad, as I mentioned on the last podcast, is very into the Little League World Series. I actually, I always watch the Little League World Series. I don't obsess over it necessarily. I just kind of watch it and take it in. My dad, like he, in the last week, every phone call he's made to me has been about the Little League World Series, mm. and he sucked me in, and I spent all weekend watching it, and I wrote an article about how it's like the greatest thing ever, basically. It's like there, there's nothing else in sports like it, to have these 12-year-olds like cry. Like a guy hits a home run off of another kid, and they're like, the, the pitcher's like clapping for the kid, and you're like, what are you doing, dude? Throw, throw a fastball to his face next time. What is going on here? I'm waiting for these players to get compensated fairly. I mean, their likeness is being used all that's over the ESPN. Next, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the next wave that we're trying to get to. These kids should get paid. That's the next wave. Uh, I, I'm actually, I'm supposed to go on the Ringer MLB show today to talk about the Little League World Series. So if you're into to that, check that out. Um, Can, I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen, but uh, I was told I'm supposed to go on there and talk about how much I love the Little League World Series. We, so we, if you want to hear more Little League World Series talk, Go check that out. We know that uh, producer Jim is definitely going to set that up. Uh, I will ask you about yeah. big, big, big Al uh, who hits dingers. Do you, do you care? I mean, I feel like he's the sister dean of the Little uh, League World Series because I'm kind of, well, I'm kind of off Big Al. He's the sister dean for this reason. He's not even in the Little League World Series. His team didn't make it. He lost. <laughs> so that's that's See, the problem I have with Big Al. Obviously, is, again, this is why I hate Twitter. We have no. If you, if you just followed the Little League World Series on Twitter, you would think that Big Al's team is basically dominating the Little League World Series. Yeah. I'm more upset that he has like taken infringement on Big Gay Al, one of the greatest South Park characters of all time. <laughs> um, I'm very upset about that. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, it's just like I, I thought this kid was dominating, and now you're telling me he's not even in the Little League World Series. So uh, I'm gonna pass. Some. Pass if you're me. trying to if you're trying to jump in right now, uh, some things to look for. I think Michigan has the best. My dad was my dad was spot on. By the way, he, he thought Michigan and Hawaii were the two best teams. So gross Michigan point, is kind of gross point. Michigan, yeah, Michigan's trying good. to. They're yeah. s- 
they're slugging their way through the losers bracket because they lost early. But I think my dad, what he thought when they had the best team was uh, Michigan has the best player. Their third baseman is probably the best player in the whole World Series. He's awesome. But as we know in Little League, it takes a whole team to win the thing. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. Hawaii has probably the best team in the USA. And then Japan is Japan. Japan is out there just doing Japan things, Tate. You <laughs> Classic. know what I mean by that. Classic. Just, just Japan doing Japan things. Um, Japan's I- great, too. So those are my – that's my thing to watch for. If, I, I think it's Hawaii, Japan in the final game. And if it's not that – then you'll know an upset happens. So if you're like watching, you're like, someone needs to put this in context for me. If you see a score where Japan's losing, that's a big deal. You should keep watching that game. I how that's drunk? My, that's my advice. How drunk are the Australian dads? That's what I want. <laughs> like that's what I want to see in the, the crowd. One, Those guys are hammered. The one dad. Did you see the story? The one dad was the coach of the team, and he didn't even play his own son in one of the games, and so he got suspended from the Little League World Series. <laughs> Legendary. No nepotism you have here. To, uh, <laughs> Every player has to get an at bat, and the dad didn't even let his own son get an at bat, and they won the game, and they ended up advancing the World Series. And then literally found out that like this one kid, mm. to be fair, he was on deck. Like the dad was ready to play the kid in the next at bat, he just, they just didn't get to it. But uh, yeah, so the dad gets suspended for the whole World Series, and he's in he was in the stands watching all the games <laughs> because and, and then he, he didn't play his own son. Did, so. Didn't he catch a home run? Right, I think I saw the interview. Like he caught like a home run ball in the crowd, and they came and interviewed him. And they're, I mean, he's the oh, coach. Really? Yeah, I think that I, I, I believe that's what that. I I also watched the softball, the women's softball little league World Series. So it's been oh, yeah. it's been a really rough time. If you think that this is the dead period of sports, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this sorry. Did, did we start the pot already? Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm no. Sorry. We're gonna finish <laughs> this keep softball going? talk. Yeah, we'll we'll get <laughs> back to. We're only yeah. five minutes in. We'll we'll keep going, and then, uh, uh, we will start the pod, Kyle. Um, we have two things to talk about today, Tate. The Duke Blue Devils, mm-hmm. and also teams that aren't the Duke Blue Devils. That's really <laughs> how I am categorizing college basketball this year. I am in love. I cannot wait to do this podcast. I have many thoughts after Duke wrapped up their Canadian tour. Um, we that's pretty much it. That's really all I want to talk to you about is Duke because that's what we do best on the show, and that's what we're going to do best today. Um, so we might we might kind of dip into some other stuff, but this is going to be a very Duke heavy podcast. So my advice to the friends of the program listening: buckle up. This is going to be awesome. We're going to have a lot of fun. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, it is Tuesday here in uh, the city of Columbus, Ohio, that I am becoming increasingly allergic to, Tate. I, let me just complain real quick again. On a scale of like one to Sean Miller's wife in the desert, I'm at like a seven or an eight right now with my allergies, and it's driving me nuts. So um, just wanna, I, I want to bring that up at the, out of the start in case anyone hears me sniffling in the background or I sound extra nasally today. Uh, that's what's going on. So thoughts and prayers to me. I'll battle through it. I'm a trooper um, because... As we said in the little intro, in the in the twelve minute intro we just recorded, um, this is a big podcast. We have Duke to talk about Tate, and I I don't know where to start. Was um, that a Zion Williamson fat joke? You saying this is a big podcast? <laughs> My goodness, already. That's where. Let's start there. Let's start there. This is the debate that is going to rip apart this country. Um, and to me, I can't. I don't really think it's much of a debate. And the debate is this: Tate is Zion Williamson fat. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's it. That's the question. Is Zion Williamson <laughs> no, fat? And I the just man gave, is... I just gave you the answer. Anytime they're using any sort of descriptor as light on his feet, uh, you know, can bounce, b- bouncy, 
you know, surprisingly athletic, that usually means that someone's fat. Those are the things they used to say about, you know, Glenn Big Baby Davis, who was fat. That's what they used to say about Jared Selinger, your boy, who was fat. Yep. This is what Zion is getting. I think the craziest thing about the Zion Williamson spin zone that we live in now, which is our world, is he is now being listed. And I don't know if you've seen this. This is how Duke lists him. A six foot seven, 275-pound guard. <laughs> what? He's just your run of the Wait, mill. what? Dude, Carolina doesn't have one of those? I oh. thought every team did. That's That's not unusual. That is an offensive tackle, uh, and you have it listed as a guard. I mean, the only way that that works is if he's playing football. I, I don't understand so, how we've gotten to this point. I'm very surprised. So I I, I tweeted after the first half of the Duke Canadian tour. Uh, I watched <laughs> the first half, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the part where I compliment Duke because Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett are are very fun to watch. Tate's probably gonna be a little more hesitant to to compliment these guys, but we, we will get to that part. But first I want to say like I watched the first half. Zion blew me away. Um I never really saw the guy. I watched like clips of him in high school, but I've seen clips of everybody in high school. I I still think Mac McClung is gonna be one of the best players in the country this year if we're going off clips from high school. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I watched the first half and I tweeted something like this man's going to be the greatest fat basketball player of all time. And I kind of knew what I was doing. Like I kind of knew some people would be upset. I didn't expect it to be like a legitimate debate of like people, people genuinely believe that this man is like solid 285 pounds of muscle. Mm -hmm. And it it got inside my head, Tate. I started thinking like, am I wrong? And I thought, no, there's no way. Like that can't be, that can't possibly be right. Um, But for a split second, I was like, am I an idiot? Am I wrong? So I started like researching Zion Williamson more and I was like I need to understand maybe this man is solid muscle and I'll tell you two things I did not find Tate I did not find a shirtless picture of him I also did not find a video of him bench pressing and that is a dead giveaway that the man is fat because if he's really 285 pounds of jack solid muscle you're you're getting shit like the strength coach at Duke is making him peel a shirt and he's doing Mm -hmm. like before and after shots and we're getting the, the pictures of him just jacked out of his mind. I mean, I, I don't even know how to like 285 pounds of muscle is, is absurd. It's, it's like unconscionable. Like it's, it's never been done before type shit. Like I can't even fathom what that would look like. So we're getting pictures of him shirtless. If that's a thing, like Duke is, is tweeting them out. Like he's, he's, he's practicing with his shirt off and they, they find a way to like snap a picture where like, like basically the, the Deandre Aiden picture last year during the scrimmage. Remember when he dunked and he was like flexing his shoulders and they were just exploding when the uh, the the Arizona like red versus blue scrimmage that picture gets released and I was like holy shit this DeAndre Ayton guy if Zion Williamson is really that strong we're getting those pictures and we're not getting them Tate and number two the strength coach is putting out videos of him bench pressing and we're seeing him in the weight room like just doing absurd shit as well and 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 the strength coach at Duke is taking all the credit for him after working with him for a month um, that would definitely be happening as well. And I'm not seeing that either, Tate. So that is, that is, I rest my case. The man is stupid thick. That's the only way to describe him. Yes. He, he is, he's definitely fat. And then that's the other part is like, everyone's like, he's not fat. He's thick, which like, I, I think half the people were making a joke because that, that thick that, is like the, the, the fun word to say on Twitter, but big bone. He's actually fat, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's, he, I, I will say that he is big bone. I think he does have a shit ton of muscle. I think he's also got a ton of fat. I think he's got a ton of everything. I think the dude is just a big guy. I think he's big. He's just he's a very large human being. And and uh, but yeah, to, the, the people talking like he's got four percent body fat. Get out of here. But I'm, I am excited though, Tate. This is going to be a debate all year. Is that would a fat guy be able to do this? And and they're not wrong because what Zion Williamson does is 
If you're fat, you should not be able to do those things. I think that Duke went into this whole process a, a lot like everyone else was, which is, will Zion Williamson, will this, this physical dominance translate to college basketball? And after playing three Canadian basketball teams, we have all decided that, yes, it will. <laughs> Who would have thought? Hold on. Who would have thought that after Hold three on. exhibition games against three Canadian basketball teams, we have all decided that everyone was wrong about Zion, that all of this will translate to college basketball. He will dominate college basketball, and he will be a force unlike anything we've ever seen. I want to throw out who I think that Zion is like, and I think people are going to get very upset about it, and I don't care. He reminds me of Charles Barkley, and I say this to say... Oh, that's that's interesting. That's that's original. That's creative, Tate. I, see, I, I like that. That's a comparison I hadn't heard before. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but I looked it up. So Charles Barkley was 284 pounds, right, as a freshman. Six foot six, mm. 284 pounds. Zion's listed at 275, even though he's, you know, probably, what, 285, 290. He's light on his feet. He bounces around. He gets rebounds. He takes 23 shots a game. Uh, I, I think it's all going to work out for Zion. He's going to be the number one option on their team. R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are not the people to worry about when you look at this Duke team. Granted, when you look at what happened in the first two games, guess what? They took 95 shots between them. Mark Titus. It's incredible. 95. They made 52 That's out of 95. A, the rest of the team took 51 shots combined in the first two games. This is the takeaway for me from the Duke Canada tour is uh, Duke. I, I Duke's going to be good. They're Duke. They're always good. They're always they're always their their floor is always pretty high, and they're mm. always going to have a pretty competitive team, probably top ten team all year. This is always how Duke plays. Uh, it, it it wasn't so much Duke's team that I come away thinking it was it was basically the Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett show and and I did become like I and I I, I as I'm proudly someone who doesn't really follow the recruiting that closely as we as I always say um so I didn't know much about these guys and I did come away thinking like wow they're really good but I did not come away from this tour saying like holy shit Duke is really good I just said like Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are really good because as you said. This Duke, there's still question marks surrounding Duke, I should say, and and they had they had two of the freshmen out, right? Tyus Jones's brother and Cam yeah. Reddish, Trey Jones, who yeah. was supposed to be the starting point guard, and Cam Reddish, who Coach K said was the best shooter on the team. So uh, if you think that R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are taking a lot of shots, Cam Reddish is coming right in to take even more shots. I think it's exactly the same situation that they had a couple years ago, where they're going to have. You know, basically, the the three guys are going to be the Tatum, Kennard, Allen types, and they're going to take a lot of shots, and that's going to be Williamson, Barrett, and Reddish this year. They all play the same position. I'm more interested to see who their starting five is. Have you, did you see all the you know, like tomfoolery with Coach K in these lineups? He's trying to send messages. He's still he's still doing old Coach K things, which I did like on this trip, where he started out and Marcus Bolden, right, who we know is a five star. That this was supposed to be his time. We we Bagley and Carter are gone, so now Bolden's the true five. Coach K did him a, a, a service. You know, he fell on the sword. Didn't recruit a big man in this class because he thought Marcus was ready to be the number one guy. Told uh, him not to transfer. Told him not to transfer. Told him not to go to SMU. Basically stopped him from transferring. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't didn't want to have another Chase Jeter situation on his hands. Marcus Bolden uh, takes two shots this entire Canadian tour. He's 0 for two. Uh, he gets benched 
for uh, someone that the casual fan has no idea who he is, Jordan Goldwire. I, Jack I, White. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, both. Oh, so Vrankovic, So they're starting. This is their starting five. This is Duke's starting five. People are talking about them. They're the best team in the country. This is who they threw out there. And obviously, Trey Jones and Reddish are hurt. Their starting five is Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. Great. Those are two superstars, five stars. We get it. Then it's Jordan Goldwire, who the only reason he's on the team, I think, is to sublim- subliminally take the Jordan name somehow and add it to the Duke repertoire. So they got Jordan Goldwire out there. He takes four shots in 25 minutes. They get Antonio Vrankovic, who takes four shots in 16 minutes. And then they have our boy Jack White, who plays 31 minutes and is basically like playing like he's Grayson Allen now. And then off the bench, they have Delorier, who gets benched, Joey Baker, who they reclassed, and we'll see what happens. Alex O'Connell, his face is all messed up. They're doing the Battier thing where they're like, they're getting him all like scary for opponents or whatever. They're doing the whole Duke treatment. <laughs> and then and then they got Justin Robinson, Mike Buckmeyer. Mike Buckmeyer is the most Duke name of all time. The guy's like studying organic chemistry in his free time. He's coming in and playing minutes now at the five because they need help. And they have Brennan Besser. That's the Duke team. So I don't understand how you watch. They have two guys that are superstars. And we're assuming that Trey Jones is going to be not Marcus Teague, but Jeff Teague, you know, to Tyus Jones. We're we're thinking he's going to be still on that level. Coach K says he's a true point guard. And then Reddish coming in. But other than that, they have a problem at the five. They don't have Other than four... other than four highly, other than four like guys who might be one and done players, like who, like how much talent do they really have? I'm I, so excited for the uh, the Jack White versus Jack Salt showdown. Like I, I really hope the Virginia Duke games mm. come down to like those. You don't two know guys. Jack. Like, it just becomes Jack White versus Jack Salt on the low block over and over, like possession after possession, and it, it, I'm really very very excited for that to happen this year. I want to ask you um, just about the coverage. So I go to ESPN.com. And, you know, this is just, you know, to catch up on things, what's going on in the world of of sports and college basketball, you know, trying to keep up with everything. And on the front page or on just the men's college basketball page, 18, Mark Titus, of the 26 articles are about Duke. Right. What else is there? What? That's what, T, T, can I, can we get rid of this? Can we we have this conversation? What is happening? We need to have this conversation off the air. Like you're thinking, you're, you're a child, Tate. You're thinking about this as a child. You 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 are nine year old Tate Frazier watching Sean May foul out the entire Illinois team, <laughs> and like you're 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 in that mindset of like I love Carolina and I hate Duke. No, and what I need from you, I'm Tate, not. I need you to grow up. I need you to be an adult. Where are the journalists? I need you to understand that the most important <laughs> thing Bosch? in your life right now is content. The most important thing in your life is content, Tate, and no one does content like the Duke Blue Devils. It's it and that's that's like I I embraced this like a few years ago. I think it might have been when they won the 2015 title. Like it just <laughs> it hit me. Right. I was like, yeah, when they won. I was like, yeah. why do I hate Duke? Like this is Duke's the greatest thing ever. Like there you could you could do anything and and people will care about Duke. Like it's the greatest it's it's unbelievable and and just like you said, like Duke exists in their own plane. Like all these other teams are taking international tours. And some of them are on TV. Kentucky was, was on TV. Kentucky was playing in the Bahamas on TV on ESPN, and their court says the battle for Atlantis. Like they just <laughs> use the exact same court that that they use for the tournament. Like Calipari couldn't even swing that. Coach K pulls his monster hog out and just starts swinging it around Canada, and is like, "You are going to put my logo on the middle of your court. We are going to make this like the Duke. We're going to brand it the Duke Can- Canada tour, and then on the uh, the damn the damn uh, scores table, they have the hashtag brotherhood going on. Like <laughs> they're playing a game that's so different than every other team in college basketball. That like at a certain point, you realize 
this is beautiful. This is for, for some for guys like us who we have to do this podcast in August, Tate. There's like nothing to talk about. And then Mike Shashevsky comes along and he's like, Tate, Titus, here you go. Enjoy. And then he steps back. Like, this is beautiful. I love Duke for this. I will always love Duke for this. That doesn't mean I like cheer for Duke. I want them to win or anything. I just want them to continue to 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 exist in this state where like content is always happening and Zion Williamson is he fat is he not they have like like I love that Cam Reddish didn't play on this tour so like when he comes in and against Kentucky in the first game of the year and he's shooting more than everyone else the people that watch this tour are going to be really shitty with him but then he's going to be like really shitty with them and be like I'm the best player on this team you guys just don't know it cuz I didn't play in the Canada tour and it becomes this whole thing like this is exciting I'm very very excited for this Duke team of course you are cuz you love Duke uh I love that coach K <laughs> On the record, said uh, he was talking about Montreal. So Coach K had never been to Montreal. So they asked him, you know, what's the number one thing he's looking for? They're trying to just throw him just softball questions, you know. And this is Coach K does not fare well in just being like the nice, like PR friendly guy. So his number one move is when someone asks him a question he doesn't want to answer, he tries to act like he doesn't know who asked it. And he looks around the room. He's like, who who says that? And then he tries to lock in eye contact with them, like never. Never, ever, ever ask me a question again, you imbecile. You know, where's that mean? voice coming from? Yeah, yeah. Like, and so he, he pretends did, like he doesn't have a microphone work. Yeah, He's so like, he did. Whoa, whoa, where is that? That's <laughs> echoing throughout the room. So he did that when they were talking about Montreal, which made me think like Coach K has no idea what actually goes on in Montreal. Has not like he said his answer was, "I'm excited to play McGill." So I guess he listened to our yeah. uh, Sleeping Giants podcast and knows that McGill has, is a powerhouse and they're they're on the way up. So he really wanted to play them. Um, he said that they expect a crowd of almost 10,000 when they were heading to Montreal. Um, and then he makes this night. This is the most Coach K thing ever. He goes, you don't get that atmosphere on most summer tours. You know what I mean? He's just like throwing it out there, just like rubbing, rubbing salt in the wound on everybody. You also, you know, classic, classic you Coach also K. don't get that atmosphere in uh, Cameron Indoor either. It doesn't even hold 10,000. People forget. Exactly. And he, he's acting like these are road games. He's acting like they're going into a hostile environment in McGill <laughs> against 10,000 people that are pulling against oh, them. Dude. It, it's all like Duke crisis are, actors. Like the, all these people were hired to be there. <laughs> we are a hundred percent getting a quote like that. Uh, halfway through the non-conference schedule, Duke's <laughs> lost two or three games or something. And Kay's going to be like, you know, I tried to, with the scheduling this year, like, cause Duke, for those who don't really pay that much of attention, which like at this point, you already know this, but I'll just reiterate it. Like Duke does not play true road games. So they can help it. They, they will go on the road, but it'll always be a neutral site. Uh, they, they just do not want to play true road games. And I already, I already see coach K saying that, like th- th- they hit some bumps in the non-conference schedule and they're like, listen, we've had, we've had a rough go at it. Like we went on the road in Canada. Those were some tough games. We had to- <laughs> And he like calls back to to these Canadian things, um, but the pro you you have to give him props though for the propaganda machine that he's put together. Yes, because I, I mean, what after the Kentucky tour, I was saying Kentucky. I I'm not I'm not reneging on my Kentucky pick. I think Kentucky's the best team in in the country still going into the season, and based on just me reading the tea leaves. And I'm gonna I, I guess I'm gonna divert my thought my original thought and say this: the reason the difference to me between the Kentucky and the Duke hype is that the Kentucky hype is coming from their own fans. And Kentucky exists like like the Kentucky basketball program. A lot of people hate them, obviously. Like they're very, very easy to hate nationally. But they also are beloved. They have enormous fan base, and like the fan base, in a lot of ways, will hate their own players if mm-hmm. the right circumstances happen. You know, like 2013 happens, and they're like they just hate everybody. Um, and, and they're always a little cautious. And Cal like doesn't always love his team and all that kind of stuff. So like to see Kentucky fans just foaming at the mouth over their team. I buy into that. Whereas Duke doesn't like Duke exists 
not to please their fans. Like their summer tour was not like we want our fans to come away from this saying, "Wow, we're really good." Their summer tour is they want the rest of the country to come away from it shitting their pants at how good Duke is. That's what they want. They exist not for themselves. They exist for everyone else to hate them, to watch them and be like, damn, Zion Williamson, he's really good. RJ Barrett, how is anybody going to stop those two? Um, which so which comes back. I understand all of that and like yeah, yeah. And, and I see what's I see the difference there and that's why I'm, I'm not like buying into the uh, Duke quite as much as I am. Like I can read through the lines a little bit on what's going on here with this propaganda machine. What were you gonna say? Which is impressive because you have to think about this. Duke is basically having a marketing marketing agency, which is ESPN, just filter out whatever they want, and it's like the big owl. Yeah. So it's the big owl all over again because every single person that doesn't watch any of these games, they're thinking. Oh my God! Zion Williamson had 36 points and had you know whatever 14 rebounds and R.J. Barrett had 10 assists with 23 points. How that's so amazing! Duke looks so good. But then if you actually watch the games and just didn't follow the the 15 videos that ESPN puts on Twitter, like Zion with the eyes emoji and like the legend of Zion, all this stuff, Duke took 28 free throws. Guess how many they made? 13. Duke had 26 assists on 75 made baskets. I mean, the team does not so, look good, and I don't understand how it comes out. They were lo- they were losing to McGill. They were losing to McGill in the first dude, quarter. This is Coach the genius. K had to make this adjustments to a Canadian team. Let me how how let me explain this, this to you. Let me Tate again again Tate. It's time to grow up. Let me explain how the world works. What is happening? <laughs> I don't understand. As a man, I, I, if you get as you a man lie, who owns, you can lie to me and say that you only looked at things on Twitter, and that's why you think Duke's amazing. But if you watched any of this. And granted, I would never but get an ESPN Plus subscription to watch any of this. Thank you for all the people that send in the logins. But, I mean, if you watch any of this, you cannot come away. I talked to other Duke fans that were like, our team looks really bad. And those are real fans. It, but that's, that's my point. That's what I mean. Like, the Duke fans, the Duke fans themselves are like, yeah, I could, I could see it going either way. Like, I have these concerns about this and that, whatever. But it's like, like, the people that are excited about Duke are not the Duke fans. They're like the rest of the people that are like, holy shit, Zion Williamson, how are we going to stop this guy? And... <laughs> That's the subtle difference between, some crispy between Kentucky and him. Um, <laughs> so, as, as a man with a marketing degree, Tate, let me let me explain to you how the world works and, and why this is so it's genius. It's all Q scores, all right? That's all it is. All comes down to the Q scores. The, the Duke ESPN Plus partnership is <laughs> one of the most genius things for both parties oh. I've ever seen. It like so for ESPN, they put it behind a paywall. You have to pay four ninety nine a month unless you're a genius like I am and you sign up for the seven day free trial and then cancel on day six after watching all the games. But I digress. They put it behind this paywall because they know that Duke moves the needle. They know that like people are going to sign up for this shit because yeah, what's, it's Duke. What's four ninety nine? Not everybody to a Duke guy. Yeah. Nothing. Not everybody. The whole world's not I mean, people it's still August. It's still college basketball. It's still one team. Like not the whole world, but enough. There are gonna be people that do it. But the people that don't do it, the people that don't sign up for it, ESPN now still has Duke's rights, like the the rights to all this footage. They have, they have the 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 highlights of of Zion Williamson dunking with Dan Schulman and Jay Billis on the call that they can splice up and put on SportsCenter, that they can put on their websites, that they can put on Twitter and all this stuff. Duke obviously loves this because they're now on SportsCenter more and they're now on Twitter more. It's so genius for everybody involved, Tate, that like. Again, once you're, you're you're thinking small brain, once you start thinking galaxy brain, you realize that Duke is the greatest thing that's ever happened to your life. And I don't understand how people exist without Duke basketball. Like I don't I don't understand how you can be indifferent towards Duke because it's like 
I don't know. The propaganda machine was incredible. The broadcasts were incredible. Jay Billis goes on there. Like, <laughs> we love Jay Billis. We're gonna have mm-hmm. him on the pod at some point. He he said he was gonna come on. He he said our one listener will be very excited yes. when he comes on, and he's mm-hmm. not wrong. Um, Kyle, but Jay goes Jay goes on there <laughs> and just starts like reading Wikipedia facts about Canada. That was like my favorite part of all these broadcasts. Was <laughs> Jay would like turn to Dan Schulman, who is Canadian, and we'd be like, Dan, I don't know if you realize this. They speak French in Montreal. Dan's like, Jay, stop. <laughs> Jay, we know. Jay, Jay Jim Carrey's Canadian. Jay, we know. <laughs> but it's like, but it's, it was like perfect Billis because he starts out doing it. It's kind of interesting. He keeps doing it. You're like, God damn it, Jay, just shut up, mm-hmm. please. But then he keeps doing it and commits so much to the bit that by the end of it, you're like, I get it. I get what he's doing here. He's he's just doing a bit here, and it's funny. I guess it's kind of funny, but yeah, they got that going on. They're selling out these tickets. Like you don't think there was like a concentrated effort to sell all these tickets? This wasn't like a yeah. Let's just kind of release some tickets and see what happens. Like they make it seem, you know, yeah. Like Co- oh, let's just uh, kind of open up. Let's kind of open up the tickets and let's see if we can sell a few. You know that there's like a concentrated effort. Like Coach K is going to Canada saying, if you do not sell out these this tour, I will. We we will bomb your country. I will find a way to to make this happen. Like you must sell out this tour. There, um, there is and no, all of its genius. There's no doubt in my mind that Coach K believes in concentrated efforts. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, that is that is who he is. Uh, I have to say, I think we're giving way too much credit to Coach K for all of this, and I don't think it's coming from Coach K. I think he is being used mm. by his own athletic director, Kevin White. The, the father of Mike White, mm. Mike White, the head coach of Florida. I think this is all Kevin White's concoction. I think he knows what he has here, which is the perfect face for a brand, which is Coach K. I mean, th- look at that face. How could you not fall in love with that guy? <laughs> look at that. My, I mean, look at that. I mean, and he's got Coach K, and he has all these canned lines, which I think the most interesting part to me about this whole Duke circus that we have going on is that Coach K, for the first time ever, has to be visible and he has to be actually like out front and forward and everything that he's doing, which is the opposite of who coach K is, which is very, you know, mm-hmm. behind closed doors, back channeling, God knows what's going on there, yeah, but somehow we're winning. This show's going to be incredible. Yeah. And he's like having to be open and, and, but, but what I'm, what I'm telling you is that it, he's going to crack because he's got all these canned lines. So he gets asked in one of these press conferences about the, the brand of Duke, which is, you know, that's all these kids want to talk about. It's the brotherhood. All, yeah, the brand of the brotherhood, you know, how he, you know, how he gets Harry Giles and Jason Tatum and all these guys come to Duke because they want to build their own brands. And he says this. He says, we have the biggest social media of any sport. That was his, this is his can line that he was obviously given. He says, we have the biggest social media of any sport. And then he like pauses for a second because he knows that's not like a sentence you can say that makes any sense to anyone in the world. So he like kind of, kind of rejiggers it. And he's like, at any college... Uh, and then he's like, any sport at any college. And then it was like, I, I saw him like short circuit for a second. And that was the first time that I, that I saw like a little bit of a crack, you know, like that, that was the first time that I felt like coach K almost slipped up. And then, you know, he, he keeps coming back down and he's kind of getting asked about Bolden and he's doing the same thing. Like I talked about earlier where he, he doesn't want to answer the question. So he's trying to find out who asked it so he can mark them down and know that he'll never, ever call on them again and, and tell his, you know, everyone SID never to call on this person again. And they asked him about the trip, and he gave the greatest Bill Walton old adage, which is, what a great trip. 
Um, you know, like just just what a great trip. You know, <laughs> it, like he can't he can't say what he actually thinks, but he's but he is in front of the camera all the time now, and he's getting asked a lot of questions, right. and he's gonna slip up. And I just cannot wait for the moment to happen. I think he really wanted to go after Bolden because I think he he thought Delorier and Bolden were both going to be able to play the five and everyone's going to talk about how versatile their lineups are and blah, blah, blah. And they both kind of no-showed. Delorier kind of bounced back a little bit, but Bolden was horrible. And he's going he's gonna to go after one of these kids. Like, I mean, there's just, there's no way to keep that from happening. That's who he is. And that's all I'm waiting for, Mark Titus. That's the only reason I care that's about why, any of this. He's going to slip. Listen, there's a... There's a reason this show, this Duke show that they have, I forget what the title is going to be. That's coming out in a couple months. <laughs> the Brotherhood. Um, is it is it called the Brotherhood? For Probably. Real? I hope so. Are you? F- <laughs> it might it might be called that. <laughs> I forget. Kyle, look that up. Kyle, look up what the show is called. I, I remember seeing All it. Right. And I I forgot. It probably is called the Brotherhood. Um, but the reason the reason that this show is coming out. Not right now. It's not like shot like hard knocks where they turn they they have a quick turnaround and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because exactly what you said, Tate. Like there's you, you know that like ESPN has footage of Coach K just motherfucking Marcus Bolden in practice and just like you you piece of shit. Why are you why, why didn't you transfer? What was I thinking? And and they're gonna edit it and soften it and make it not seem that bad because I'm I'm with you. Like I think he is walking a dangerous line. I'm not like I don't I don't think it's like you know, I'm not as far out there as you are with all this stuff because you you are the master at this. I think but, you guys are gonna love um, this name. What's the name? What's the name? What Kyle? is it? Earn everything. <laughs> Earn everything. That's right. <laughs> Earn everything. Um, God, Brad Calipari has to start getting paid for all of his ideas. I mean, he is the he is the creator of I'm Earn not, Everything. Yeah, Brad Brad invented this. Um, but back to what I was saying, I'm not I'm not like as I'm not going as far off the deep end as you are with this tape, but I do think there is some truth to this that like Coach K is put in this uncomfortable position where he he just doesn't really want the limelight. Like this, this is no I mean I mean I'm trying to choose my words here because like his whole MO, this is why he doesn't do interviews during halftime. This is why like like he, he he's very he he keeps himself like Buttoned he builds up. up these walls because he has yeah. the veneer of like Coach K, and you can't crack that. And like I am a deity in college basketball, and no one dares see my, see through my cracks and all that sort of stuff. So, um, it's, it would be much much better to me if this show came out like Hard Knocks, where like ESPN, or if it wasn't even ESPN, if it was HBO, because like ESPN is in bed with Duke, and I don't say that as like a tinfoil hat guy. I just say it as the truth. I mean, like they obviously got a partnership. Um, so it, it would have been much better if it was like a, a, a an outside company got this footage and like. You, you get footage of Coach K cracking and, and your eyes light up and you're like, oh shit, this is gonna be awesome. Because what's really gonna happen is ESPN's gonna scrap all their good footage. We're gonna get we're gonna get shots of like John Shire slapping guys on the ass and then Zion Williamson talking about how hard he works, and that's pretty much gonna be the show, but whatever. I, I whoever is like a, a PA or just like some sort of like associate editor or like someone that's doing something on that side of things that has the tapes, leak the tapes. Release the tapes. That, that's Release all. The tapes. That's all that we want. We want the real tapes. I want the raw footage. And honestly, I think that that does mo- that does more credence to Coach K's legacy. You know, nobody nobody wants to see this soft version of Coach K that talks about being a grandpa and like how much he loves these kids and how he wants to develop them and just takes Coach Cal lines from 2009 and tries to repurpose them in 2018. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't. Want, I'm done with that. That's not. That's not who I uh, grew up going up against. I want to see Coach K you know who, full on. We deserve you it. You know who has the tapes? You know who has the tapes, right? 
Josh McRoberts? Mark Schleybach. Oh, okay. Oh, Mark, no, Mark Schleybach. Yeah, he's got the tapes. He's going to release him any day now. Just just be patient. Just be nicer to him on Twitter and he might release him. Just uh, just be patient. Why, um, why didn't they send about, him to let's Canada? Talk about the actual, he was perfect to go to Canada. What's that? He was the perfect guy to send oh, to Canada. Did, you know, for this trip. Yeah, he should have been there. He should have mm. been there. Tate, we'll get back to Duke in a second, but quick break to talk to you about Steph Curry's Masterclass, which is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to learn from one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Can we remove the one of the greatest labels, Tate? I yeah, think he is the greatest the shooter. The greatest. You say? The greatest. Yes. greatest shooter, the greatest shooter in NBA history. Not in basketball history, though. You still got some contenders out there like you and I, but in NBA history, we'll say he's the greatest. Uh, Masterclass offers online classes taught by the best in the world and over four hours of movie-quality video lessons. Steph will do the following, Tate. Hang with me. He will teach you perfect shooting mechanics, footwork, and scoring techniques. He will break down specific drills that will make you a better ball handler. He will analyze NBA game footage to improve your basketball IQ. And in addition to Steph's class, you can choose from classes taught by over 35 other masters, including Gordon Ramsay, Malcolm Gladwell, and Ron Howard. New classes are being added across a wide range of fields such as music, cooking, writing, film, and many more. Maybe they'll ask Tate and I to do a, uh, what, what would our master class be? Podcasting? Mm, I don't think we're masters I think of that. Barbecue, even, barbecue even judging, right? You would just go for barbecue that. Barbecue judging. Yeah, something like that. We're gonna, I'm going to do, do a barbecue judging master class and, and try to sell it to master class. Uh, whether you are pursuing your passion or developing your career, you'll find a master class for you. Master class has even been featured by the New York Times, Vanity Fair, ESPN, and even One Shining Podcast. Uh, I My master class experience right now, Tate, I am currently signed up to take poker with Daniel Negreanu. Wow. Negreanu? Negreanu. Negreanu. Um, and the space exploration, I started it with Chris Headfield. I, I brought this up a couple shows ago when we were doing the ad for Masterclass. Um, I'm doing the space exploration. He started it with this. He said, like, sp- space, he said something along these lines, and I knew I'd be hooked. He goes, like, the, the thing about space is, like, the further out you go, the more, the less it becomes about moving outward and the more it becomes about learning yourself inward or some shit like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I'm not on enough drugs to be watching this right now. I need to- <laughs> Yeah, Bill Walton's like, yes, continue, yes. What were yes, you saying? Yes, 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 I like this. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where this class goes. Uh, check out Masterclass. You can get Steph Curry's class or unlock access to every single Masterclass for an entire year right now at masterclass.com slash shining. You will gain unlimited access to over 35 world-class masters, all for one surprisingly low annual price. That's masterclass.com slash shining for unlimited access to Masterclass. Learn from the best in the world at masterclass.com slash shining back to duke um let's talk about the actual duke players by the way we, we need to talk about the actual basketball because as you brought up you're not a you're not a believer in all this hype that's coming out of canada and durham <laughs> um i am i am kind of like lukewarm like i i will say that i came away from the the duke games thinking as i i kind of already said this that I'm a believer in Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett for sure. I, I am on the fence about Duke as a whole because uh, they were not great defensively. Uh, their, their whole defensive strategy was like, we are bigger, stronger, faster, and we are just going to jump in the passing lanes. Now, the flip side of that is it's August. They're a young team. This happens. There, there isn't a single, like every single team is going to suck defensively right now. Do you work at ESPN? Especially a young team. What is happening? <laughs> am, am I wrong, Tate? I'm just trying to be. You are Tate, wrong. I'm trying to be balanced. You are I'm wrong. I'm trying to be balanced so when I say, when I talk shit about Duke, it comes from a place of credibility. It's called establishing credibility. <laughs> Again, let me teach you a thing. Let me teach you about this business, kid. Jesus. I'm coming back around. I, I had a big I had a big Stephen A. Smith however coming. Oh, please. <laughs> please, please. 
Give me the however. I need the however. I'm I'm throwing up right now. <laughs> Do not interrupt me. Duke did not play de- good defense, but um, but yeah, I did. I did. I thought I thought Zion and, and RJ were good though. I thought like they they were just as good as they needed to be. Like there was no no part of me was watching that was like, oh, I mean, like these guys were hyped up, and I'm not really seeing it. Like I, I believe like it wasn't like RJ Barrett doesn't have a jump shot. He sucks at free throws. That's a little weird to me. Um, their whole team sucks at free. I don't throws. know. He. he, he, he he plays smoothly. Like you think he's a ball hog. I don't really think. I think yes. it was more of like he's a he was going hog. up against defenses that he knew he could beat. And <laughs> and th- this was my interpretation was like I'm going to beat these guys until they stop me. And when they start stopping me, I will start passing. And they just never stopped him because they're Canadian teams. My interpretation was, oh wait, I have seven assists. I want to get a double double. Now I'm going to pass it a couple times. <laughs> That was my interpretation of the R.J. Barrett experience. I honestly thought Jason Tatum, when I saw him start out at Duke, I was like, wow, that is probably going to be the most, uh, like, just over-the-top ball hog I will see at Duke in a very, very long time. And then I watched R.J. Barrett play one game against a Canadian exhibition team, and, and I was like, never mind. Hold on. He, I, was, I was like, Jason was, Tatum uh, is so, a team player. My goodness. I, I was so wrong. Who would have thought? So when we when we, okay let's put it put it in these terms when when you and I take the podcast on the road and we go to Henderson North Carolina your hometown yeah and we're doing a live show in front of Henderson North Carolina you're telling me you're not going to try to take the ball and like talk more than me and and just be the star of the show of course you are I'm going to tell you that we right? might get robbed I'm going to tell you that I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to do that I wish I could my high school doesn't even exist anymore they got rid of it it's so bad so no there's no way there's no way we're doing Dude, that, that is. <laughs> that is absolutely perfect. By the way, we should we should do a show where your high school auditorium used to be. Like we're we market it as like in your high school auditorium. It's Tate Frazier's homecoming. He's coming home. <laughs> it's now a secondary school, so it's like for the people that just got out of juvie and they need to get their GEDs. Uh, that's that's where we will do the show. It'll be like our Johnny Cash moment. We go to Folsom Prison. That'll be great. <laughs> No, but in all serious, so back to the point. Like RJ Barrett, he's playing in front of. He's from Canada. People forget he's in Canada. Um, he's, he was in Toronto, like to start off, or Mississippi, 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 Sagawa. Yeah, whatever, how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. The, the Nick Stauskas town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's from like his place right there. Of course, he's going to shoot more, right? Like you don't think there's that element that plays. I I think the element was wait I'm on camera and I'm on ESPN I'm gonna shoot a lot because I'm the number one player in the country and I don't really I don't blame him for that as an exhibition game I just I can't believe I can't in good conscience as a believer in everything that Coach K used to be and what he used to represent uh, I can't believe where he is where he is now I just can't believe it but I mean he's playing the one and done game of like I got he's stat padding right this is the ultimate. <laughs> This is the ultimate end of Coach K's reign is being a stat patter. That is how I will remember him as from 2010 to the end. He is a stat patter. And I don't I don't hate it, but you know, it's like Wilt Chamberlain kind of thing, you know? It's like obviously he's one of the greatest of all time, but we okay. all remember. We'll remember. Okay, so all that aside, which I agree with again. <laughs> <laughs> RJ Barrett, are we sure he's good? Is my question to you, Tate. Beyond beyond the uh Beyond the ball hogging, like you have to admit that the talent is there, right? Is he better than Rodney like, Hood? Do you, th- do you think he's going to actually be a talented college basketball player, or was he just like this the, a guy who's like going to be finding his footing this year and and will still get drafted high, and it's going to take him like three years in the league, and then maybe he'll be good, and that's why people love him, um, or even or, or is he even going to be like an Andrew Wiggins, where like he's obviously good, but 
there's just like something kind of off about like how he fits in. Is is, is this Canadian. what you think is going to happen? Like, like Wigan, is, oh, he's Canadian. That's that's what a little something off about him. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. But like Wiggins, Wiggins. Everyone talks about like Wiggins at Kansas is one year at Kansas as though it was like kind of a disappointment. I mean, if you ask people like how good was Andrew Wiggins in college, they'd be like, yeah, he's pretty. I mean, he's all right. He's pretty. Like the dude had the game at West Virginia where he scored like forty something, right? Like yeah. he was he was unbelievable. And he was he was actually like a great defender. I don't know what the hell happened to him in, in the NBA, but like I remember going into that draft, like Andrew Wiggins is gonna be Kawhi Leonard, basically. Like this man is going to be the best perimeter defender. He's unbelievable. Um, but like during that season at Kansas, even though he was he was great, but yet you'd still watch him and be like frustrated at how he wasn't as good as he should be. Um is that I, is that what you think with RJ Barrett? I'm yeah. I'm trying to throw out scenarios for you to latch onto one because I can't get you to say anything <laughs> other than gravitate back towards Coach K. No, I will say I I'm th- trying to make it easy on you. All you have to do is say yes, that one. <laughs> no, I think he's gonna be like Harrison Barnes, like one of those guys where yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, yeah that's he a good has one like too. all the potential in the world, but he's gonna end up being like the sixth or seventh pick because someone's gonna take him on that potential, but he hasn't quite produced. I think the thing that's gonna really hurt him. And I've been saying this. I think that I thought Cam Reddish was the best player on Duke. And we haven't seen him yet. Coach K was giving him glowing reviews saying he's the best shooter on the team. So I, well, I think... why? Yeah, explain explain why the people that didn't like... People like me that haven't seen him and didn't see him on this tour. Why is Cam Reddish better? Why, sh- why should we care? Because he's a more natural shooter. And I think he's... He's just more of a score. Like, R.J. Barrett is quick first step, get to the basket, get fouled, go to the free throw line. Granted, he can't make his free throws, but that's pretty much the, the idea of what he's going to do this year. But I think Zion and Reddish are, first of all, Reddish fits perfectly into what Coach K does with these guys, which is like, we're going to shoot threes, and that's that's who we are. We're going to drive and kick and hit threes. I mean, that's what Trey Jones is going to be driving, kicking out. Cam Reddish is going to be hitting threes. R.J., I mean, I think he showed that he can shoot. I don't necessarily buy into him being some transcendent player. I think Zion is obviously transcendent. I don't I don't know what those lineups will look like with him, but I could see him eventually playing the five if they can't find DeLaurier or Bolden to be that guy. So I think he's going to be transcendent. In the same way that like when we were watching Wiggins, no matter what happened, we kept looking at this other guy, Embiid, right? And you're just like, I right. I think Embiid's the number one. Or I think Wiggins is the number one guy, but like this guy is just something else. You know, he's kind of just above all of the the normal standards of what you want to see from a basketball player. And I think Zion is the same way. So that's going to take take eyes away from RJ. I think Reddish is going to be a wing just like RJ, maybe better, and he's going to have a better shot. So people are going to gravitate towards him. So that makes RJ the third fiddle. And we saw what happens when you're the third fiddle. I mean, we saw it with Tatum and Kennard and Grayson. Grayson was the third fiddle, and there was a lot of problems. He had attitude issues for a little while. He was tripping people, all this sort of stuff. So my thing is, RJ is going to go from being number one in the country, number one in Canada, number one everything. Everyone's talking about RJ Barrett. He's going to be the number one pick, yada, 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 to everyone's going to be in Durham talking about, oh, man, Zion. Oh, man, Cam Reddish. Oh, man, yeah. Trey Jones is such a great point guard for this team. And I want to see more. Like, And that comes down to if RJ is cool with it and is like, I just want to win, I don't really care, then it's not a problem. But it seems like that whole Duke infrastructure is very individualized and everyone has their own individual agenda. And it's like, you got a guy, Joey Baker, who's a five-star that they read class. Joey Baker's going to have to play. Or he, or he's already resigned himself to the fact that he's going to be like, uh, you know, Dawkins from like 2010 and just sit out and redshirt and come back and try to be the guy next year. But they just have a lot of mouths to feed that are individual guys that are trying to to prove that Duke is the 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 team that can get you straight to the NBA in the perfect one and done system. So they have to yeah. like they have to live into that narrative and build up that narrative. So if RJ doesn't perform, 
then that has to be a knock on K. The Trey Jones thing is is interesting to me because like as you're watching as you're watching RJ play in these games, uh, I was telling myself like maybe this could work because I kept forgetting about Trey Jones. I was thinking like have Reddish be the wing, have RJ Barrett run the point because he kind of was during yeah, the tour. He, yeah, he was. Um, I mean, in modern basketball, there kind of is no point guard. That's not entirely true of college because like most college coaches are still stuck in the 80s and 90s. Um, but like the modern basketball that we know, it's just like all these guys are so skilled. Just get a rebound and bring it up yourself, more or less. Uh, but RJ was, for all intents and purposes, like running point for Duke on this tour. And I was thinking, like, why not just have him? Because that was this talk coming into the season was these three guys sort of play the same position. And then I thought, no, they've got it figured out. Like, RJ can run the point. Zion just plays inside, does, like, Draymond Green type stuff, pops it, pops out every so often, slashes. Julius Randle. He's, he's not a yeah. back-to-the-basket guy. But, yeah, he's like a Julius Randle type um, and then Cam Reddish can be the true wing and shoot threes and and be that. And I was like, this is gonna be a perfect fit. But then yeah, you bring up then I forget about Trey Jones and he's got to play point guard. So then what happens to that? That's the I really do think there is gonna be con- some concern there because I think like RJ wants the ball in his hands. He's someone who, like has from what I can tell. Again, this is from these three games. In the same way as Grayson, uh, he, he is Grayson. Yeah, he needs the ball in his hands to to make plays and. If he's not the point guard, like how is that all going to work out? How is Trey Jones going to take that? If it's like I'm the point guard, I come from a lineage of Duke royalty point guards, kind of. I mean, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I I do think I think RJ Barrett's better than you think he is. Um, I was I was kind of surprised at how smooth he was. I knew he was obviously very good. He was the number one recruit in in the country, but I just like expected. I I don't know what I really expected. He he just kind of seemed like he knew what he was doing more than I thought he would. Um, it's kind of hard to to pinpoint what I mean by that. Yeah, again, I, I only watched I know the three games mean. against shitty competition. Yeah, but he not, just kind of like the way yeah. he moved and like his feel for the game and and how smooth he was, and how big he is, how athletic. Just kind of all of it was like there was no there was no kinks really. I didn't really feel like he was working through like his mechanics of his ball handling or his shot or anything like that. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's gonna be really good, but I think like the problem individually he's gonna be really good. The problem, as you said, is going to be how he fits into a Duke system that doesn't even really exist. What is Duke's system? Uh, give it to our one and done players and let them score so they can go to the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. that's that's sort of the lar- the larger question I wanted to talk about just with college basketball. So there, I think there's like two there's two figureheads on two different sides of what you want college basketball to look like. There's Duke and Kentucky over here, which Cal has honestly toned down a little bit of what the the one and done, just like basically press releases that Duke has completely leaned, leaned into. So they're over here. They're they're doing their own thing. We're talking about Duke and Kentucky. For whatever reason, it's August, and we know we're, we're talking about like matchups, their entire roster, who's going to be their crunch time Bill five. Bill Self hates this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you Bill know, Self is fuming right now. <laughs> yeah, and then and then like I and then I look on the other side, which is just a very you talked about. You know, this is in the '80s and '90s of college basketball, but I think Villanova and North Carolina are over here, and I think Kansas too. Kansas, Kansas sort of in the middle if this is a Venn diagram they're right in the middle but Carolina and Villanova over here like trying to build basketball programs like trying to get guys and develop guys to be to be a third year basketball player to be a winner to be a champion which beckons back to 2012 
when you say know, do it the right way. That's what you want to yeah, say. Just we, say do it, do it the right way. Well, okay. we, we do it the right way. You know how it is. Uh, but you know, 2012, Jay Wright and Roy Williams, they did the most overrated head coaches. Uh, this is my friends Mark Carroll sent this to me. 2012, CBS Gary Parish, friend of the program, wrote this whole thing about all the coaches voted, and Roy Williams is the most overrated coach. Jay Wright was the fourth most overrated coach, uh, followed slightly behind by Steve Lavin, the fifth most overrated coach. This is in 2012, and now you mm-hmm. look at it, Villanova, North Carolina have completely just leaned into the idea that we are college basketball programs. It's nice to get a Quinterly. It's nice to get a Nazir Little. It's nice to get a Kobe White. It's nice to get these other one-and-done type talents. It's nice to get a Pascal that you can develop into, you know, a star on your team. It's nice to get a Mikel Bridges that can become a lottery pick in his, in his third year. That's what they're doing over here. We're not talking about any of their preseason stuff. North Carolina's down in the Bahamas this whole week. I'm probably one of 25 people watching all the scrimmage highlights. And this team... Is twelve deep, and I and <laughs> oh, here we go. I, is the pivot? Did the pivot just happen? No, did the Duke I, podcast just pivoted to Carolina. No, I'm just telling you, I I cannot believe like, and that's that's those are the two different like. Some people obviously want to use college basketball as a way to talk about future transcendent NBA players and talk about how they're going to go to some team in the NBA and change the NBA. When we all know all they're going to do is get drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies and be a bottom dweller in the West for five years and then probably go sign to a big market team and try to win a title with the super team. Damn, Verno's hurt by that. Verno's well, hurt by that. Well, that, but that's best case scenario, right, when we're talking about where it's going to transition to the NBA because that's what the NBA has become. So I don't really get lost in that, but that's the Duke-Kentucky world of thinking. That is that shade of blue. If you want to be there, do that. But I watched this North Carolina team I forgot Luke May was on the team, Mark Titus, after watching these scrimmages. Mm. Like, I don't, I wasn't even... Mm. You got Nasir Little, who I think, if you're talking... Carolina fan you are, sounds like... No, I'm... I'm, I'm and I'm going to talk about Villanova, too, because I think both of these programs are doing the exact same thing, which is we're trying to develop basketball players. We're not trying to make you a brand. We're not trying to make you, you know, some... Like, you, you can't even sell shoes anymore. That's not even a thing. It's like a made-up myth that they're still selling these kids that you could be the next Michael Jordan to sell shoes. Nobody sells shoes, except for Michael Jordan still. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, maybe Paul George every once in a while will sell some shoes. Maybe Kevin Durant will sell the Kevin Durant sixes when he wins the MVP or whatever it is. But regardless, people don't sell shoes. LeBron sold some shoes this past year because he made 18 million different colorways and every favorite color of the, the people in the world. So people finally started to buy them. But they're all trying to lean into this old school way of like, well, you can have a Hanes commercial. You can have a shoe deal. You can do this. You can do that. And Jay Wright and Roy Williams, in my opinion, are both trying to develop and make basketball players, which makes Larry Brown very happy. And that's all I can say. And that's all I want to talk about because I watched this North Carolina team and these scrimmages. They wouldn't even put the full scrimmages up because, you know, four years ago, DeAndre Ayton beat them and they didn't want to get embarrassed. So they, they didn't even put the live streams <laughs> up because for fear so, that a DeAndre Ayton would be around. But instead, they're 12 deep. They beat a team 145 to like 45. They beat them by like 100 almost. And it, it was like textbook. They have like 37 assists on 77 made shots. And then I watched Duke play and it's just two dudes basically playing pickup shooting it every time. And it's like, that's the difference in, in college basketball right now. It's like, do I want to watch a good brand of basketball that is not necessarily going to translate directly to being ISO players in the NBA? Or do I want to watch, you know, guys that I know are going to translate directly to the NBA? It's sort of, you, you pick your poison, what you want to be a part of. I'm, I feel like I'm going to be on the right side of history, you know, with, with my choice. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can do whatever you want on this side. That, that's where I'm at, but it's okay. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not upset that 18 of 26 articles are about Duke. 18 of 26. But the, but you said it yourself, dude. Carolina did this to themselves. They they purposely 
they they did the LeBron Jordan Crawford thing. We got to delete the footage, squash the footage. We don't want anyone to know that this happened. Um, they did that, and then I just thought about it. Like Bill Self, where has my college he, basketball gone? Bad. Where is it gone? Bill Bill Self loves that he's not on TV. I just realized because the FBI shit was like sniffing around, <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm gonna lay low." Actually, I think I'm gonna. Let's lay low as as long as we can because we might have the best team in the country. As let's just not have anyone know that or talk about that going into the season, please. That would be great. Thank you, dude. Um, Titus, no, can I, can I, mean, I, can I give you my final trump card of where we're at with, with the problem with five stars and all this stuff? Where's 2018? Where da- things are going? Yeah, where things are going. It's 2018, 2004 is when all this you know hoopla started. Basically, since then, since 2004, this is from Brian Ives, the guy who does ESPN stats and research. Duke has had. 18 of 22 five-star enrollees, 81.8%. They're number one who were drafted in the NBA. Number two on that list is UNC, 13 of 16, 81.3%. Number three on that list, Kentucky, 30 of 37, 81.1%. And Kansas is number four, 10 of 16, 62.5%. So those are the four teams that are all, I mean, as much as I'm talking about you know North Carolina's on the side, they're still all in the same vein of we're going to get the best players and they're probably going to get drafted into the NBA. But that's where we are. It, it's not like a... But, like, it's not. But I've, I've I made know. this point. I've made this point a thousand times in and on the podcast and on my writing on the ringer.com. The PR um, wars are terrible. I can't handle them. <laughs> that, but but this is the. You say this is where like college basketball is going, but I would say like it's not necessarily because Villanova, as you said, like Villanova and Carolina both have won titles recently. Like Virginia is arguably. I mean, we know that they lost to the 16 seed, and I don't mean to to downplay Wait, that, but. But in the the totality of like the last four or five years, like Virginia is certainly one of the the what three or four or five best programs in the country, um, and they do it obviously a completely different way than everyone else. And the point is, Tate, that there are this is the beauty of college basketball. This is why I keep coming back to it. This is why I will always prefer it over the NBA. Yes. Um. And 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 not the not all the other reasons that that are thrown out. Like the NBA doesn't play defense and they care too much about money and all that stuff. That's not it. It's to me. There are a million different ways to build a winner in college basketball. There are you can you can do it a million different ways. And in the NBA, there's not. And so like I'm more intrigued by this idea of teams trying to get creative on ways they can build their teams and and create final four contenders and build their programs and stuff. And just because Duke and Kentucky are getting more attention doesn't mean that they're doing a better job necessarily. Like they're obviously doing a fine job, but Kentucky's won one national title in 20 years, Tate. Like I think most, and I don't mean to shit on Kentucky, but like, I think most, like, like if you ask Bill Simmons, how many national titles has Kentucky won in the last twenty years? He'd say like five or six, yeah, probably. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But and 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 this is just like that's the way they do it. That's the way Duke does. It. Like everyone has their own little way of doing it. They get more attention because that's the path that they've chosen, and that's okay. Tate, calm down. It's fine. No. Carolina is going to be good. They they beat the shit out of these. Bahamas teams that are obviously everyone like if there's anything that Bahamas is known for it's putting together really really good teams to play NCAA teams in August basketball so the, number the fact one that pick, Carolina beat them by 100 DeAndre means Aiden. a lot I uh, mean carries yeah. a lot of weight to me I, I honestly I want to come up with a tournament where we get the exhibition teams that played Duke Carolina Kentucky and they all play each other in some tournament up in you know Nova Scotia or something and it's like the Bohemian team flies up there the Canadian teams and we just see who's the best and then we can really judge uh, who wins July through September. That's my biggest frustration, which comes down to right now in college basketball, for whatever reason, if you win the recruiting window of July and then start of the season through September, you almost get more clout and more talking points and more coverage than if you were to win the national title in March. 
I don't yeah. understand it. Like you, well, it, it somehow lingers in people's heads this period of time, and people. But people why do you want coverage? What like this co- is coverage? What you actually it, want? Because no, Carolina got a lot of coverage the last know, couple of years. I don't know why anyone for various co- reasons. I don't know why any. I don't know why we're covering it. I don't know why anyone's covering it. Is what I'm saying. I don't. I don't understand how we have an ESPN Plus show. You know, like I. Don't, I just don't know. Like, but that is the war that is going on right now. Everyone's just trying to control their own narrative and make people believe into the whatever they want you to believe in. Like it's the brotherhood or whatever. I mean that 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 this period of time is where you win all this. And it, and it lingers, and it stays, and it sticks no matter what happens. If Duke goes and plays Kentucky, and let's say Kentucky beats Duke by 40 points and it's a blowout, you know, that's probably the only way that there changes any narrative about Duke could lose to Kentucky and it just be like, well, it's November. You know what I mean? And then they well, could they could lose to Wake Forest in January. It's like, well, I mean, it's January. Remember Zion when he played against McGill? Do you remember that game? Like, that, that'll come up. <laughs> like, someone will bring that but up, your- how amazing he looked in Canada. To your point, I think there's there's still a fair amount of blowback. Like like Duke does this thing. It, just because Duke is purposely d- creating this media monster and and throwing ESPN resources behind it, it doesn't mean it's working on everybody in the way. Like there's still there's still like the equal and opposite reaction to this. Like there's still people <laughs> that see that, like you and I, that just laugh at it and are are it, it does it has a negative effect on us, and we're like almost anti Duke because of it. Because like no, this you, is the most absurd thing in the world. You've never there's been still anti-Duke. plenty of people like that. You're saying it's a you're saying it's a LeBron effect where like ESPN covers it so much that they beat it to death when yeah. people turn on him. Yeah, I, I that's definitely gonna happen. Well, it hasn't. You happened don't think that's yet. gonna happen to Zion Williamson? It hasn't this happened yet. Well, no shit, it has. It's, it's August. <laughs> of course, it has I'm ready happened. for it to happen. Like, will it just happen? Dude, it's gonna. You know what's gonna happen is when Zion Zion's gonna go for like 25 and 13 against Kentucky and. In a weird way, they might be better off losing. Like Duke loses <laughs> to Kentucky, but Zion goes twenty-five and thirteen and just is by far the best player on the court. And then everyone does the thing where like no one wants to talk about that's that's what's gonna be the start of it. I'm calling my shot. That Zion is gonna have a monster game against Kentucky, but Kentucky's gonna win, and then everyone's gonna talk about Zion after the game. And that's gonna be the start of people like, What the fuck are you talking about, Zion? He lost. Talk about Kentucky. And like mm-hmm. Kentucky fans are gonna get so pissed, and that's gonna be the first snowball, and then it's just gonna get worse from there. That's, that's but it is going to happen. Just that, be, be patient, Tate. Calm down. That is the only hope that we have. Is that the Kentucky faithful will really, you know, saddle up? I mean, they they just did it. The March Madness bracket where they they did the starting five, and, and you had, they crowned like the greatest starting five of all time. Kentucky won, which I mean, the Boogie Cousins. What was their starting five? Boogie Cousins is one of the starting five. It's like Tony Delk, Boogie Cousins, Tayshawn Prince, John Wall. Uh, I don't know. I don't have that. That was Anthony Davis, probably. Yeah, and Anthony Davis. Yeah, there you go. See, that's their lineup, which is like, I mean, okay, that's pretty good. And they were a two seed, but this is all voting. And you know who gets on the internet and lets people know how they feel about Kentucky basketball? Kentucky basketball fans. So they win this. Kentucky fans got on there and they said, "I don't know who Tony Delk is, but I like this team. (laughs) I think we have a good team." They're like Delk. You mean Belk? Like what is that? Uh, Was he on the? Was he on the? He must have been on the 08 team before Cal got here. Was he was he one of Gillespie's boys? Was he with Patterson? Are they in the same class? <laughs> well, that's exactly, and they won. So Kentucky fans are the only fans I trust to take down the Duke agenda. Uh, I'm putting the onus on them. They are Duke's cross country oh, rivals, it. so that's all we have. That's our only hope. This is what this is this is where you know where you know where college basketball is going. Tate is exactly what you just said. Is like not not to not to to well, I, I was about to make like a Game of Thrones reference, but I feel like that's like played out at this point but it just sort of feels like you you have to make these alliances with your enemies 
to beat the bigger enemy. Yeah. And then once the bigger enemy gets defeated, you can go back to being enemies. But then you can like the fact that you're a Carolina fan and you're like, I gotta saddle up with these Kentucky fans so we can take down Duke is like is it's it's beautiful. Because Carolina and Kentucky should not like each other. No. That should be uh yeah. But you know, but, there's a there's a greater enemy that that's out there. But, and and meanwhile, like I'm an Ohio State and Indiana fan who's just like wants to be relevant again. So I'm just kind of sitting on the sidelines eating my popcorn, just like this is this is a great show. But, I'm just like watching all but, this shit. You gotta talk about, you gotta talk about fair trades in life. So what does Kentucky and Carolina have? They have a fair trade in life. That we let Malik Monk do exactly what Coach Cal wanted him to do, which was, you know, help make his family get a big contract in the NBA. We let him have forty seven points. That was good. And then when the tournament came, which is what Carolina <laughs> cares about, which is winning titles. We and then you drafted him, by the way. Yeah, and then the Hornets drafted him and gave him, you know, Michael Jordan support. I mean, it's all it's all transitive property. It's all it's all it's all good. It's transactional. Um, all that has been worked out. We'll figure out this whole Duke thing. Is there anything else in college basketball that we can talk about? That I mean, I don't know what else is going on. This is the deadest of dead periods uh, in college basketball. It's not dead again. You keep saying this. It's not dead. Duke just went on a three game tour, and and Zion Williamson is. God's gift to basketball. So I don't understand where you're, you're kind of, we have the Lily World Series and Zion Williamson going on right now. And you keep saying it's dead. And I don't understand where this thought is coming from because that, that, that's all you really need in life. Um, today is the 99th birthday of fill in the blank. Take sister, a guess. sister Jean. It is. What? It is <laughs> it's her 99th is that birthday. Real? Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. I thought she was 100 that's already. That's the college basketball days. I'm pretty sure if I dig yeah. up some old articles, someone says she was 100. I don't know. That's that's amazing. So oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Did you see the other nun show her up with with the curveball? Oh or yeah, whatever? in Chicago, Sister, dude. Sister Mary Joe. Yeah, in Chicago, she showed her up. She does the like the little arm pump thing where you hit the ball and your pop your elbow as you pop it up, and then she throws a 12-6 curveball. Yeah, in Chicago, in Sister Jean's backyard, like that was. Uh, that was who, who's going to be? Call your shot on the who's who's going to be the journalist that writes the first "Where are they now, Sister Jean?" article mm. this season. Mm. Uh, I I got I got to think about that. We got to think about that. I will say this, uh, Sister Mary Joe. I think she needs a piss test. That was too good. <laughs> there was something going on there. I think PEDs might have been involved. It was too perfect. It was it was it was something else. I don't know. Baseball, we can't trust them. We get, we got to figure that out. I'm happy for Sister Jean though. Happy birthday, Sister Jean. We love you. We hope you make it uh, back to the Final Four so we can continue to enjoy you and none of the players on your team. Um, that's that's all we can say. <laughs> Clayton Custer, twelfth best player coming into college basketball this season. Yes. Um, Loyola should be if he's the twelfth best player, they should have one hell of a team. So, um, to wrap up, Tate, final thoughts on the Duke Canada tour. What we, what did we learn from Duke playing three games in Canada? Not a thing, not a thing, not one thing, <laughs> nothing. All right, I'll I'll do it. Let me let me talk for you. Here's what we learned. <laughs> we learned we learned the following. We learned the difference Zion between Williamson, two programs. That's what we learned. There's a difference between we, two great programs. We learned that Zion Williamson is very 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 good, but we also learned that he's fat, and he is. And I'm sorry. And if you mm-hmm. think he's not fat, you're probably fat. Um, the man <laughs> is fat. And that's okay because he's very good and he's obviously just stupid athletic and and I'm going to love watching him play all year. I just do not understand why he doesn't need to lose weight like this. The concern I have is that he seems to wear the weight as a badge of honor and and I'm coming from it from this perspective of a guy you mentioned earlier in the show, Jared Solinger, who was sort of the same way that he comes in as a freshman, was obviously big. Um, loses a ton of weight going into his sophomore year, 
didn't have a sophomore slump, but just had like a slightly different game. And you could tell throughout his sophomore, because his freshman year was the year that Ohio State had like the number one team in the country all year mm-hmm. and started 20 and 0 and ended up losing to Kentucky in the Sweet 16 on the Brandon Knight shot over Aaron Kraft. Um, but that team was loaded and Solinger was a big reason why. And then he comes back his sophomore year and he's he's his body's a little different and he plays a little different. He wasn't like if you look at his stats, he wasn't really that much worse. He was like the same player, but you could tell that like in his mind he thought, I've lost my superpower. I've lost my my fat ass was what made me so good. My husband. And so jeans. he got to the he got to the NBA and guess what happened next, Tate? He quickly left the NBA because he was fat. And <laughs> so my concern with Zion Williamson is like wearing the I, I don't necessarily think that like like obviously Zion can overcome his weight thing in a way that Solinger couldn't. He's much more athletic. He he moves much more uh, he has much better agility, all that kind of stuff. But this idea that like I don't need to lose weight, I've already got it, is a concern because that tells me that like he he like his his weight is like his little teddy bear, and he's like I just need to hold this and make me safe, and it makes me feel good. And I don't understand like what's the downside? Like if he lost if he lost thirty pounds, is he going to going to be a worse basketball player? The answer is no. He's probably going to jump higher and be faster and be better. And um. That's very confusing to me. So, uh, but, but he is fat, Tate. Like the I, man, the man has a body type unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. It's, I will, it's unbelievable. I will tell you this right now: you're going to see a lot of headlines and a lot of commentary about Zion Williamson this year, where they use the phrase "throwing his weight around." That's what they're going to say. Oh, I like that. They're going to throw. He's going to throw <laughs> his weight around everywhere he goes. Watch then, him throw his weight around, and that's going to be like a compliment. But at the end of the day, what does that weight mean? Not. He's fat. It's not, it's not a compliment. Like it's, I, I'm not saying, yeah. It's I'm not trying to take anything away from the basketball player because he is very like he's he's unbelievable. I cannot wait to watch him play all season. But there's there's literally no reason why he should continue to be this big. It, it serves him no purpose. Like even if he was if he was 250 pounds, he's still a guy that like no one wants to take a charge on, and he still could like bully people on the block, and he could still do all the things he already does. He could he would probably just jump like three inches higher even and be even more of a freak athlete. So um we're all, we're also gonna get the headline when he goes into the combine that he's he's felt he's trimmed down. Cause cause you know this is gonna be the feedback, by the way. Like he's going he's going to, we're gonna hear this all season. Like his weight's not a problem. He's never really been hurt in his life. He moves fine. He's he's just he's just a freak. Like he's he's different than every other player and he can carry his weight unlike anybody else. It's not a concern. It's not a concern. And then he's gonna go to the combine, start taking meetings with NBA teams and all of them will be like, yeah, dude, you're kind of fat. And then he's going to like start losing weight because the NBA teams told him. And then he's, when he is entering the draft, they're going to be like, man, Zion Williamson really trimmed down and look how svelte he is. They're going to use the word svelte. That's when, going to be the headline. When he's when svelte he, Zion Williamson. When he's 6'6", 250 and getting drafted first overall, we'll all remember this this conversation. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, please do. So we learned that about Zion Williamson. We learned that R.J. Barrett has the goods. Um, we learned that he <laughs> is smooth. He – please. Uh I, I I understand. I'll put it this way. I now understand why people think he will be, he should be number one in the draft, or will be number one, or might be number whatever. However you want to phrase that, like he's in contention to be the top pick in the draft. I understand that now after watching him play. Um, but we also learned Tate that Duke Duke has a lot of question marks. They are as it stands currently with with Reddish and Jones out. They are a two man team. Um, that's pretty much it. They they did not play great defense, even though you could be tricked into thinking otherwise. Like they they just were lost on defense pretty much every possession and just like it looked like they got bored and they would just be like, eh, let's why why are we in a stance? Why don't we just try to jump in the passing lane and steal the pass? Or why don't we just try to 
be aggressive here and try to force something, which is fine. That happens to young teams all the time, but that's a concern. We're gonna we're gonna have to fix that up before we play Kentucky. Did I just say we? By the way, yeah, I saying we you were a part. You were oh, part of the Duke that. brand now. Huh. You are part yeah, of the brotherhood. Whoops. Just kind of, I am in the brotherhood. Um, and we learned that Marcus Bolden. Ish. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oof. <laughs> Not like this, Marcus. Oof. Not like this. And we also learned that Coach K is a damn genius, or or Kevin White, whoever whoever <laughs> Kevin, you want to. Kevin put White it because, is a genius. Coach K is slowly losing it. He can't believe he's doing this. It will all come. His out. marketing campaign was absolutely <laughs> perfect, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see the program that like tries to replicate this, but like it fails miserably because no one gives a shit. Like, I don't. I'm trying to think of an example who would like if UCLA tried to do. This. <laughs> like Alfred's Alfred's like, ooh, that's what we need right there. Let's do that. I want. And they try to go on like a UCLA tour. And they're, <laughs> I want NC State to no do it on stadium. I want NC State to have yeah. their own stadium show. <laughs> Kevin Keats is a winner. It's, Bruce Pearl does it with Auburn, and they go to Canada, and everyone's like, "What is Auburn? Is that the what is? You guys have a basketball team? Yeah, he's like, dirt. yeah, dude, we're we're top." We're preseason number six. And they're like, eh, not really feeling it, coach. But aren't four of your best players suspended? (laughs) Yeah, but they're going to come back in January. I promise. (laughs) All right. Uh, Good stuff. All right, Tate. That's it. Anything else before we go? Uh, I just want to shout out Steven Jackson for saying that Kobe Bryant uh, could play in the big three. I thought that was the boldest statement of the week. Um, I think he could play in the big three, too. I don't want to go out on a limb, but I think Kobe Bryant could play in the big three. That's all I have. All right. Well, congrats to your North Carolina Tar Heels for having the best team in the country, as you as you believe, and flying under the radar. They're Kobe gonna White, some people, folks. Kobe White. They're going to surprise some people. They're twelve deep. If they play, if can, if Carolina's entire schedule is teams against the Bahamas, I really believe you guys shot at the Final Four this year. I'm, yeah, I'm, I really truly believe that. So that's what Roy does. Um, twenty and counting. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much to Duke. Everyone involved with Duke. Just, <laughs> uh, just. The entire essence of Duke for making my life possible and enhancing my life. I love you so much. Uh, We will be back next week. Until then, save the crew.